1: Welcome back, everybody. This is the Doug Gottlieb Show. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin in for Doug. As Isaac just told you, college football playoff semifinal number one is underway. (laughs) Sam, thank you, thank you, thank you. Guys, please, 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 you're embarrassing me. You're embarrassing me. Stop, please, please, please. please. Uh, Alabama is up 7-0, but Cincinnati is driving. Do you think it's okay to drive Stone? The truth is, your reaction time slow way down when you're high. You not only put yourself in danger, but everyone around you. Stop kidding yourself. If you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high, get a DUI. Paid for by NHTSA. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin in on a busy... What is it? New Year's Eve. I was going to say Christmas Eve. New Year's Eve day. Uh, Cincinnati is driving ball tipped at the line of scrimmage. So they are in the red zone, Jason. We're ready to give up. We're ready to throw dirt on their grave, but they're taking it right back at Alabama. And they are now in the red zone with about five and a half minutes to go in the first quarter. Well, this is huge. I mean, just moving the football and not handing it back
2: to... The Alabama offense down seven, nothing after proving that you couldn't stop the run on the first drive, and we all know that the first, you know, fifteen plays are scripted. So it worked for Alabama. And look, this is what Belichick does, and this is what Saban always does. What he tries to do is remove the thing that you do best and say, "All right, beat us with the second best thing." And so that's what they did offensively, which is, look, you know, we know you have all-world corners. Won't you handle our run game? all the way down the field, and they couldn't do it. And they're going to have to make an adjustment for that once the scripted plays come to an end here. But since he being this close, meaning this close to the goal line, Aaron, this is one of those scenarios where You've got to find a way to get six here because you mm-hmm. can't assume you're going to be here all day long.
1: Incomplete pass on second down sets up a third and goal here on about the 11-yard line or so. Uh, yeah, no, this is huge. And and you're absolutely right, especially with the way that Alabama scored the first drive of the game. It wasn't some fluke. You know, you, you, you break one tackle and take it 80 yards. I mean, they ran the ball right at Cincinnati. And I think there's pretty good reason to believe that uh, you give the ball back. They're going to do the exact same thing. Uh, uh, Cincinnati was stopped it looks as though they are going to have a set have to line up for a field goal in uh, here on their first drive, with about five minutes and twenty seconds or so to go, you know Jason Cole is coming up here in a minute, uh, Jason Martin. So I he will join us at about one thirty Eastern time. So we'll get to some some NFL in a minute, really quickly on on the uh, the second semifinal. We got two and a half more hours to talk about this. Michigan is playing Georgia. It seems like both of us are in on Michigan. It, 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 we had Trey Wallace in hour one. I like Michigan. Where do you stand going into that second semifinal?
2: So I like Michigan, and I thought Michigan was going to win for the better part of the last two weeks, which is why I'm going to pick Georgia. Yeah, exactly. Because it just feels like I have recency bias right now, and I'm just sort of undervaluing Georgia. Sure. I know I know Michigan is playing with house money, but there's a reason you picked them to win in the preseason, Aaron. Yep. And so I feel like because the tenor has felt so anti-Georgia this week with all the people that I've been talking to, and even in my own brain, it's just like... Well, what's the most likely scenario? Because that's usually how you should live your life. Not based on the worst case scenario, but on the thing that's most likely to happen. And the thing that's most likely to happen is, as Trey Wallace kind of set up, Georgia running the football, and we know how good their defense is. And then he picked Michigan to win by two touchdowns because he said Stetson Bennett wasn't going to be able to throw the ball enough. If it is placed on Stetson Bennett's shoulders, I don't think they will be able to win the game. I just think both teams are going to want to run it. And because everybody's picking Michigan and so much of me wants to pick them, I'm going opposite
1: because that's the thing that feels most likely to happen. Well, there's two things that kind of come to mind when I kind of sit here and say that I like Michigan so much is, well, three things, really. One, exactly what you just said. Everybody seems to be backing Michigan. The numbers back it up. Uh, Earlier this week, I kind of saw a stat. I think it was about 72% of the money was coming in on Michigan in Vegas. That's never a good sign. Two, like I will say we kind of have a history of these semifinals being blowouts, and that Alabama-Cincinnati game, I know it's the one everybody expects to be a blowout, but a lot of, uh, you know, the, the number, the the point spread hasn't moved from about 13.5 on Cincinnati, so I think Vegas thinks that Cincinnati can keep it competitive, and so that is the one game that it feels like okay, everybody assumes that it's either going to be a close Georgia win, or Michigan wins outright, uh, so naturally it will go the opposite way of what everybody expects, but the third thing Thing that i would also say is exactly what you just said and i'm guilty of this as anybody i made the argument in the first segment of the show uh i don't believe that we can dismiss 12 weeks of what alabama did as being a really good but not elite team and just completely dismiss it because they looked awesome against georgia but i'm kind of doing the same thing with Georgia. i'm doing the opposite of yeah. georgia i'm saying well wait a second now they were great all year but they stunk and now I'm just completely disregarding them. So so I'm going against my own advice in say in picking Michigan because I I, I won't give Alabama credit for their domination against Georgia, saying, Well, we have a twelve week sample size of the opposite. But yet I'm somehow dismissing Georgia, uh, their first twelve games as if that was the outlier, not the one game against Alabama and Atlanta.
2: Yeah, see, that's that's exactly where I am. That's why I said recency bias, because it's so easy to only think of Georgia based on what Bryce Young and Alabama did to them and then remember, oh, yeah, well, Bryce Young just won the Heisman, and nobody in the country can keep up with him if he's playing the way that he played that day and they're able to keep his jersey clean and leave him alive in the pocket the way they did. Georgia showed up uh, only in theory for the SEC championship game. The defense was terrible, and Bennett was not very good. I just don't know that that's going to happen again. Are they that big of frauds? If they go in and get just bounced tonight by Michigan, that's the only word that's going to be applicable. I know Michigan's good. I know Alabama's good. Nobody was talking about either one of them as juggernauts at the time that Georgia saw them, but they had been talking about Georgia all season long. That's why all the pressure is on Georgia. That's why it's all on Kirby Smart because – Fraud is not a word that you
1: want to describe you in any way and they're going to be full made off if they get blown out tonight. So this this score is now Alabama 7-3 Cincinnati kicks a field goal. We'll keep you updated on this game. Uh, we will have Jason Cole uh, from Side. He's an author of seven NFL books coming up. So let's talk a little NFL really quickly, Jason. Mm-hmm. And we just mentioned this like half a second ago but but Isaac asked us Denver Broncos they seem to be one of the interesting inflection points of this offseason because uh, they have a lot of nice pieces but they don't have the quarterback and so is it Aaron Rodgers is it someone else and and I bring it up because uh, yesterday uh, Russell Wilson was kind of asked about his you know Bobby Wagner was actually asked about this potentially this weekend being his last game in Seattle Bobby Wagner uh, would be a major cap hit for Seattle to bring back next year they think that they are probably going going into a rebuild that for this offseason bobby wagner is asked about his future he's non-committal then the, the media asked russell wilson what his future was in seattle and here's what russell wilson had to say i know you guys asked bobby about could this be your last game and this and that and all that you know i know, I know for me personally you know uh you know I, I hope it's not my last game but you know at the same time i know it won't be my last game in the nfl not my last game at the nfl jason martin this was the guy I never forget he did not make a trade demand last offseason, but he did say, "But if you do trade me, there are four teams that I would love to play for next year." So, uh, you know, you have that and you have Russell Wilson now being asked about his future and him saying he hopes it's not his last game in Seattle, but he knows it's not his last game in the NFL. So, I bring it up as we head yeah. into week 17. Whether Russell Wilson will say it or not, is it his last week in Seattle as the Seattle Star- as the Seattle Seahawks starting quarterback in Seattle? Yes. And I've said that before. I said it
2: before the season, Aaron. We talked about this for months. I think that Russell Wilson didn't have the leverage to get out this past season, but he didn't want to be there this time either. And he sees it crumbling around him. He knows that Pete Carroll's probably, I think Pete Carroll is, is going to leave, and I think Russell Wilson's going to leave. Russell Wilson, famously Ty Dunn at golongtd.com had written that article, talking to a bunch of people close to Russ, and Russ had said his goal is to put as many billionaires in his phone and in his Rolodex as possible, mm-hmm. because he wants to own a team. Wow. To do that, he feels like he's got to be in a gigantic market, and of course his wife wants to be in a gigantic market. So the teams that you're generally hearing about for Russell Wilson, outside of New Orleans, Vegas the Giants rumor that came out last week. It's teams like that. That's why when you said Denver, I was like, I mean, in theory, it would make sense from a football perspective, but I think Russ has his sights on big market, and I think that's one of the big reasons. He's in Seattle. I think he doesn't want to be in Seattle anymore, and he realizes the window, the championship window in Seattle is closed. Yep. You already got one, but that this team, as it's currently constructed, they've got to blow up a large part of this roster because they simply don't have enough, and they have a, a uh, head coach that's way too conservative to get it done in 2022.
1: Well, yeah, and it's funny because when Isaac mentioned, uh, you know, who is the Seattle, who is the Denver Broncos starting quarterback, you said Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to ultimately stay in Green Bay. And, and I'm kind of with you is Arnie and I were talking about this last night is that, uh, you know, Again, it makes sense, and, and, and it's so tough, right? Because you say, well, I can't picture Russell Wilson in a Broncos jersey, but I couldn't picture Peyton Manning in a Broncos jersey until it happened. I couldn't mm-hmm. picture Tom Brady in a Bucks jersey until it happened. But I do think there are some differences there um, in that it's exactly what you said, is that, yes, winning is is. You know it's important, and, and and I don't you know I don't want to criticize Russell Wilson because the guy is a winner. He's you know he played a million games in a row before he got hurt this year, uh, but there are other kind of quote unquote branding things, if you will, that go into this as well. With as you said, his wife is a, a famous entertainer, um, and Denver just doesn't feel like it makes sense to me. And so it's really funny because I, I don't know if the Giants really get him any closer to really competing at the top of the NFL, um, but at the same time, it's New York. It's a big city. It's a big market. And I do think there's something to be said for, you know, it's not apples to apples, but there's been kind of this this conversation in basketball circles for a long time. If you're the guy that can get the Knicks back to the top, like you will live in infamy. And I don't think that's necessarily the case with Russell Wilson and with the New York Giants. But after about seven, eight, nine years of being miserable post-Eli Manning, I do think if you're the guy that wants to be a New York Giant – in that market in New York and you want to be the guy that re elevates that organization to hopefully back to a Super Bowl level, I do think that matters. So in addition to all the other business, you know, stuff that is involved with this stuff, I also think there's something to be said about being the guy that wants to be a giant when maybe a lot of other guys don't.
2: Yeah. And I mean, all Russell Wilson has to do is look at LeBron James when he went to LA and they won a championship. And what it meant to kind of bring the Lakers back after they had had the worst record in the league for a few years prior to him going there. If you're able to revive the Giants franchise for the first time, make them relevant for the first time since the actual heyday, not the end, but the heyday of Eli Manning, that's really important. To the Aaron Rodgers point, just because we we mentioned it a couple of times, the interesting locale that he could land would be Pittsburgh if he was interested because I know he has a ton of respect for Mike Tomlin as a coach. I think the thing that stops them is they have a young offensive line, and, and I don't know if he trusts that. They've got a lot of weapons there. I think Najee Harris could be a star if they could just block for him. He does need to learn to run north and south a little bit more. He Reggie Bushes it a little bit too much for my taste, at least early in Reggie Bush's NFL career. But if Aaron Rodgers wants to go somewhere and potentially win a Super Bowl quickly, the defense is already... In place in a lot of respects for pittsburgh so i also could look at that potentially being being a locale for him aaron's less market to me than russell wilson is wilson and sierra it just strikes me as they're gonna play in a big city to finish out his career
1: i, I agree 100 percent. and you know you look at you and you said it earlier is that where he is in his career is he's not young but he's not Aaron Rodgers Tom Brady old he's about he'll be 34 next year just turned 33 really so he's got about a year till he turns 34 um, you know Tom Brady shows he probably has uh, with the way that he takes care of his body probably you know five six seven peak years left and why not do it in a major market it's funny you, you mentioned kind of the future of Pittsburgh I want to talk to you about that coming up because I think you have a very interesting perspective on that we will get to that momentarily uh, but first it can happen easily a few drinks become a few too many. It's time to go, and you think of calling for a ride home. Nah, what's the worst that can happen? You get pulled over, you lose your license, you total your car, you kill someone. Drive sober or get pulled over, paid for by NHTSA. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin in for Doug Gottlieb here on a college football semifinal Friday. Yes. Alabama up 7-3 with about three minutes to go. Coming up, I want Jason's perspective on Ben Roethlisberger. Also, Jason Cole from fansided.com joins us. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin, in for Doug, Fox Sports Radio.
0: Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
1: Welcome back, everybody. This is Doug Gottlieb show. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin in for Doug here on New Year's Eve Day. It can happen easily. A few drinks become a few too many. It's time to go and you think of calling for a ride home. Nah, what's the worst that can happen? You get pulled over. You lose your license. You total your car. You kill someone. Drive sober or get pulled over, paid for by NHTSA. Coming up in just a few minutes, Jason Cole, the managing editor of Fansided, will join us. We'll talk a little bit of NFL. Uh, first quarter is complete in Dallas as well. Cincinnati is trailing Alabama 7-3. to Bryce Young out at about the 1-2 yard line on a run. So it appears as though Alabama is going to punch in another one, Jason Martin, and go up probably realistically about 14 nothing here momentarily. So 14-3, well, excuse me, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah
2: you can't take away the field goal but again I think that was a loss for Cincy when you get that close you've got to find a way to cash in because how often are you going to be that close we'll see I mean they the drive was relatively impressive to get them in position but we've still seen Bama's gone for it on fourth down because the, I just don't think Saban believes that if it comes down to a yard or two that since has got the hog mollies up front to stop them Running the ball, and that's exactly what we've seen. If this thing goes to 14-3, and I'm going to say this a lot probably over the next <laughs> few hours, as long as it's still within striking distance, if this thing goes to fourteen three. Since he goes three and out, uh, we're we're in um, we're in code red territory, Aaron. Like they they've got to keep this thing close throughout. If they're able to hold Bama to a field goal here, which it looks like is that what's happening?
1: Yes, correct. Yes, yes, so it was right fourth here?
2: down. My apologies. Yep. OK, well, that's a win because I had looked away long enough to have not seen the third down play before that. So if you I mean, if if Riker comes in here and kicks his field goal 10 to three, that's doable for Cincinnati. That's a win. Anytime you
1: stop Bama from getting into the end zone today, that's a win for your defense. It is 7-3 right now. Uh, field goal is good. So Alabama right. is up 10-3, but there is a flag, so we'll keep you updated on this one. Jason, you know, we were talking last segment about um, about the quarterback shuffle, that that something is going to we It happens every offseason. And one place that it feels, it's not even feels almost certain, it is certain that uh, there will be a new quarterback next year is in Pittsburgh with Ben Roethlisberger. And for people who don't know, you host a, a weekday show with Ramon Foster, who played mm-hmm. for a decade or so uh, mm-hmm. with Big Ben in Pittsburgh so you have some some better insight into what Pittsburgh is going to be like this weekend as we wrap down kind of the Big Ben era in, in Pittsburgh I know technically they're still alive for a playoff spot but it doesn't look good uh, just what, what insight have you gotten from Ramon throughout this week about uh, not only what this weekend is going to look like in Pittsburgh but what maybe the next year or so will look like for them as well
2: well I mean it's a rebuild time because I, I think everybody knows Mason Rudolph's not the guy he's not going to be the answer and they don't have the guy in house so either they're going to grab an Aaron Rodgers or try to make a play for somebody like that or they're going to have to take a step back and they that that's not a franchise that that generally has to do that but everybody knew that this was probably going to be Ben's last year and he came out and he said what he said and he said this is it's all trending towards this being my last home game during the offseason uh you know he was talking to Ramon a lot and because they're they're very very close and At the time, because Marquise Pouncey retired, and it was Ramon that broke that news on our radio show in Nashville. He let him do it because it's his best friend. And so Ramon read the statement, and that was the actual piece of news. And Roethlisberger was actually, at the time, trying to get Marquise to come back because he knew if the offensive line was still there, he had a shot, but it wasn't. Then Villanueva left and went to Baltimore. So they had all these new pieces on the O line. I think Roethlisberger went into this season knowing this was not going to go particularly well i don't know how much he felt like he still had left but but for whatever reason he decided he wanted to come back for one more year and at times he's looked apart but a lot of times he hasn't looked apart but what's going to happen on monday is going to be nice i think it was smart of him to say what he said so that he can get the deserved praise for being with the same organization for 18 years and being i would say a likely very likely hall of famer and definitely one that would get my vote and that way they can all wear the seven jerseys on Monday. And they can give him this one-night send-off at Hines Field It's going to be really special in a division game against a Browns team he's tortured throughout his entire career while they still have a chance, if you can believe this, to win the division. Yes. Because the AFC North is such a dumpster fire. So Monday's going to be really cool if you're a Steelers fan or just an NFL fan because what do you've liked or loathed Ben Roethlisberger There's no doubt what he's meant to the NFL and what he's meant to the AFC and what a tough out he has been for so many teams. And watching a guy hang it up that's played at that level is always special.
1: This is Fox Sports Radio, the Doug Gottlieb show. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin in for Doug. Do you think it's okay to drive stone? The truth is your reaction time slow way down when you're high. You not only put yourself in danger, but everyone around you. Stop kidding yourself. If you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high. Get a DUI. Paid for by NHTSA. College football playoff semifinal 10-3. to Interesting stat I just saw via Jason Sterrett of The Athletic. He says that uh, Alabama. Alabama rushed for 142 yards in the first quarter. Cincinnati, in in every half they've played this season, has only allowed that much in a half. Ooh. So uh, Cincinnati right now, physically, Alabama looks like a different class of athlete than anything that they've seen. Uh, sack in the backfield, Alabama up 10-3. to This is Fox Sports Radio. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin in for Doug here on a college football playoff semifinal Friday. Cincinnati just punted the ball. Alabama up 10-3. This could get ugly. With that said, we want to stick with the NFL. We want to bring in Jason Cole. He is a columnist at FanBuzz.com. Been following the NFL, covering the NFL for years upon years. Author of seven different NFL books, including Elway, A Relentless Life. Jason, thank you for joining Aaron and Jason here on uh, Fox Sports Radio. How are you doing, Jason?
3: I Well, I'm, I'm, I have COVID, but other than that, I feel fine. Oh, my goodness. So. We hope you're doing okay. <laughs> First of
1: all, is everything okay? I mean, I, I don't think you'd pick yeah, up this really. call. Uh, yeah.
3: I, I, look, I, I got no complaints. I mean, a I, you know, little stuffiness and a little aches, but I'm okay so far. Vaccinated, so... It seems to be doing its jobs right now, so I uh, feel all right about that. Otherwise, I wouldn't be talking to you if it was worse. I was
1: so, I was, so. ki- was kind of thinking that. I'll ask you this. I mean, you know, if you are stuck on the couch and you are okay, there, there are worse things to, to do than watch some college football playoff semifinals. As somebody who covers the NFL, you've covered it for years, what do you take out of these games? There's obviously no NFL, so probably maybe your first chance to get to see some of these guys. Are you just watching as a fan? Or are you kind of evaluating guys that could be first, second-round picks? I mean, how do you watch them? The college football playoff.
3: You say? I mean, I, I think there's a little bit of both. I mean, you're watching mostly as a fan because you haven't studied these guys, and and that's not really my area of expertise, anyways. Um, but you do kind of watch for, okay. I've heard about this guy. What do he look like? Um, how does he move? Does he dominate? It's like when you were watching Devonte Smith last year, right? And you're saying, okay, I've heard all these things about him. You look at him, you say, okay, I can see where he he dominates people. But, boy, is he skinny. And mm. so if I have to take him in the first round, I'm thinking he could be more of a Harrison if thing, everything works out. But that's probably a late, later first-round pick. He's not a guy that you can afford to take in the top ten. So you start thinking that way. And you think like all the little jargon-esque things that you hear from scouts all the time. And you say, okay, where does this guy fit in a, in a draft? And so, when it came to where Devontae Smith was ultimately drafted by Philadelphia, it's like, okay, that makes sense. I say, I, I see where he went. He wasn't, you know, up there with guys like Waddle or some of the other, you know, top players. He was a first rounder, but not necessarily a top five or ten pick.
2: Jason, how true do you think it is that the job of a scout is in a lot of ways, is to tell the football team and the front office why they shouldn't select somebody as opposed to why they should. Because it does. It seems like all these guys are good, we know they're good, but why shouldn't I take this guy seems to become a lot of the discussion.
3: I, I kind of look at it a little bit differently. Um, I look at it this way. I think the job of a scout and the, and the whole personnel department is to put together what's – and this is a really boring way to put it, it's an actuarial table. Mm. right? It's, it's sort of like you're an insurance adjuster, and you're saying, okay, we can afford to take this guy, but we can't afford to take him this high, right? And if somebody else wants to do it, that's great, but we're not going to do it. And you have to place a value on that guy. And, and obviously it's relative to what's the whole draft look like? Because there have been some crappy drafts out there, right? I mean, there's, there's a bunch of drafts you can look back. I mean, the DeAndre Hopkins draft is, is just a garbage draft, and it happens once in a while. And most of them are some combination thereof, right? But this is why, okay, most drafts you can't take guards in the top 10 or 15. It's happened, but you don't, it doesn't happen very often. Or depending on what your football team looks like, you, it could happen. But most of the time, it's putting together, okay, um, this is what the player looks like. This is where he should go. And if you are, are begging yourself to take him way higher, then you're begging for, for trouble. I I always go back to the greatest draft of all time was the Steelers back in, what, 74, where they took four Hall of Famers. They drafted four Hall of Famers, and they signed Donnie Shell, right? Mm. John Stallworth was a fourth-round pick. And Bill Nunn, who just went in the Hall of Fame this last year, was the scout who was working on that one. And he did this amazing job of selling the Steelers' front office on, we should take this guy. At the same time, he said to them, we don't need to take him in the first round. We're going to take Lynn Swan in the first round, and we're going to come back in the fourth round, and we're going to get John Stallworth. Don't think we have to take him in the first or the second round. We don't have a third-round pick. Be patient. And it was a big, giant argument between him and Chuck Knoll because he'd done such a great job of selling Chuck Knoll on taking John Stalworth that all of a sudden Knoll was like, well, I think we should take him in the first round. It would have ended up being a great pick. But strategically, it, wasn't, it wouldn't have been a great pick because you ended up getting him in the fourth round, if that all makes sense.
1: Yeah. Jason Cole, uh, author seven books, also columnist for FanBuzz, joining Doug Gottlieb show. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin, in for Doug. Jason, you know, I, I, on the field, in the news, obviously, you know, so, some interesting comments yesterday from Russell Wilson. Uh, asked about his future, Bobby Wagner was asked about it. Russell Wilson says, "I hope it's not my last game in Seattle this coming weekend, but I know it's not my last game at the NFL." So, uh, you know, if you were a handicapping man, where do you suspect Russell Wilson opens next season as the quarterback of?
3: Well, not in Seattle. Um I think that, you know this thing is wound down to the point where there's going to be a divorce. And The big question is you know if Wilson goes what happens to Pete Carroll because Pete Carroll has told people he's not in for a big rebuild. That could change if if Aaron Rodgers becomes available and they're willing to trade him to Seattle. I doubt that's going to happen, but um you know we'll we'll see how this all plays out. But I do think that you know Russell Wilson wants to go off and run his own team and do his thing and and be away from the control that Pete Carrolls had and look there's there's a time that runs out a clock that runs out on every relationship and in this one I think the relationship between Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson has run out I also think that Russell Wilson is looking at this going yeah, you know, I've been in Seattle a long time. I played in this market where nobody really shows up. It's far away from everywhere. Um, my wife wants to be a big star. I think he ends up maybe in New York. I don't know. If the Giants decide to change their direction on quarterback, I think that could happen. If the Jets decide that Zach Wilson's not worth it, you could look at a place like Miami. If they decide that, you know, two is not good enough and they don't get it done with um, you know, with Deshaun Watson. Um, look, people are going to want Russell Wilson. He's he's got a lot of career left in his body, and people are going to take their chances with him. So he's going to want to be in a major market.
2: Jason, outside of the Green Bay Packers, who do you trust right now in the NFL? I assume maybe Kansas City, but but how, is the is the list relatively short in terms in, te- in terms of teams that you would actually really believe in going down this last couple of weeks and into the playoffs?
3: Um, I mean, it's maybe three teams. You mentioned the two, and I would add in Tampa because I believe that Tampa, you know, injuries are a problem, and losing Godwin was a huge one. But they, but they do have some depth there, obviously with Antonio Brown. If they get him back healthy. Um, I, I just I think that team knows how to win. They have a lot of veteran guys. They know how to turn it on when it's important. They obviously they have the best quarterback when it comes to playoff football. Um, but even then, when you talk about these three teams, you know, Green Bay, as good as they've been under Matt LaFleur, like, they've blown some games that in the playoffs that they should have won and been better prepared for. You know, the Tampa game last year was a gigantic mistake. And I just wonder if if they're gonna be ready for that kind of game. Kansas City, look, they played their best game last weekend that I've seen them play since probably the fourth quarter against in the Super Bowl against San Francisco. Um and they beat they won a lot of games since then, don't get me wrong. And you know, they made another Super Bowl since then. But, but that was the most complete effort I've seen from them and the smartest effort because Patrick Mahomes was taking what they were giving him um you know, playing really really smart football. I mean, he's been a really smart football player all along, but this is, okay, they're going to try and take everything else away. We don't have Kelsey. I've got to play this a little bit differently. Th- that was a really, really excellent effort against Pittsburgh, but they've been so inconsistent. And I'm not betting, man, but their performance against the spread is a very strong indicator that people think they're a lot better than they are, and they have not lived up to that expectation. Hmm. And I just think that Kansas City is a team that they think that they can turn it on like that they can play f- well for 20 minutes out of a third out of a 60 minute game if they play well for 20 minutes you know some stretch either late first first quarter through the the beginning of the third quarter that they can just dominate a game and put it away and even then i don't trust them after after you get past that like there's nobody like i don't trust the rams at all um uh, i you know there's nobody in the afc that i trust be any good week to week Um, so this is a wide wide open race
1: last one for me jason we got about a minute left um you you mentioned the teams that you like is there a team that's kind of sneaking up kind of in that wild card picture maybe it's indy off those back-to-back saturday night wins maybe it's the chargers if they can get in is there one team that um you know isn't going to have that home field advantage isn't going to have that first round bye that you think can make some noise once the playoffs begin
3: I think you probably mentioned that the Chargers could. um, Look, we're not talking a lot about Arizona, but Arizona was the best team in the league until they lost DeAndre Hopkins. And if they can get DeAndre Hopkins back and get that offense functioning the way it's supposed to function, they can once again be the best team in football. But when you have a small quarterback and he needs great... Great big receivers around him, and you take away that dynamic big receiver that he had, who opens up so much of the game, who forces the defense to back off and to play coverage so much and that then allows him to run and gain yards once he's now healthy, because now it appears that you know Kyler Murray is you know is over that ankle injury. If that's not in perfect alignment, then you have a problem team that loses three in a row. If you have those parts back together, Arizona gets right back up to the top and becomes a serious contender. But to me, it all swings on DeAndre Hopkins.
1: He's Jason Cole. You can follow him on Twitter at Jason sixty two, author of seven different books on the NFL and a columnist for fanbuzz.com. Jason, we appreciate you making some time. Hope you feel better and of course have a very <laughs> happy <laughs> have a happy new year, man. Thank you.
3: Thanks, guys. Be good. Take care.
1: That was Jason Cole, columnist, FanBuzz.com. Follow him on Twitter at Jason Cole 62 It can happen easily. A few drinks become a few too many. It's time to go and you think of calling for a ride home. Nah, what's the worst that can happen? You get pulled over, you lose your license, you total your car, you kill someone. Drive sober or get pulled over, paid for by NHTSA. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin here for Doug Gottlieb here on Fox Sports Radio. Coming up, we wrap our two.
0: Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I'm George Reister, host of the Reister or Wrong podcast. This is the intersection where sports, business, society, and pop culture meet the truth
1: Welcome back, everybody. Fox Sports Radio, Aaron Torres, Jason Martin in for Doug here on a New Year's Eve day. Hope all of you are safe, sound, getting to wherever you're going tonight for New Year's. Alabama up 10-3 to on Cincinnati with about seven minutes left in the second quarter. Do you think it's okay to drive stone? The truth is your reaction time slow way down when you're high. You not only put yourself in danger, but everyone around you. Stop kidding yourself if you've been using marijuana in any form. Do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high, get a DUI. Paid for by NHTSA. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin in for Doug. Doug will be back on Monday. Uh, With that said, I think it's time for What Does the Fox Say? And now. (laughs) What does the fox say? My bad. All right, so uh, Isaac, uh, we want to bring you... uh, Okay. All right. So this is, uh, this is what did the Fox say? And what we do at this time, every episode of the Doug Gottlieb show, we bring in something from so- what someone said on Fox throughout the course of the morning. Today, we're bringing in Colin Cowherd. He is talking about the big tens dominance during bowl season so far.
0: Let's be honest about this. I keep hearing, well, you know, the sec they're top heavy this year. Well, yeah, they are. As if the middle of the sec is no good. Is the middle of the PAC 12 good? Hell, the top isn't. Is the middle of the ACC good? Is the middle of any conference good in college football? Not really. And the bottoms dreck everywhere. I don't even know if the top is good in the Pac-12 or ACC. Georgia, Bama are favored today. But I've always had a feeling in the last 10 to 15 years about college football. The best players are in the South. You can tell from high school recruiting in the draft. They have the best players. But the best coaches are in the Big Ten. And this matters. Because a great example today is Jim Harbaugh and Michigan are playing against Georgia. And Jim Harbaugh, if he was an SEC coach, would have already been fired. Brian Kelly at Notre Dame, he's turned that program around, right? He would have already been fired years earlier. The SEC is impatient. The ADs are impatient. The fans are impatient. But Jim Harbaugh was allowed to make mistakes and lose to his rival and pivot and redo his contract and get better coordinators because in real life, nobody hires a perfect staff. In fact, sometimes you got to wade through two or three offensive coordinators to find the right one. Ask Brian Kelly and ask Jim Harbaugh. But the patience by the athletic department and the boosters and the fans that matter at Michigan gets you with a chance to play for a national championship. The Big Ten's got amazing coaches. Ryan Day and Jim Harbaugh and Pat Fitzgerald and Mel Tucker and Jeff Braum and Kirk Ferentz But Kirk Ferentz isn't allowed to even exist in the SEC. Kirk Ferentz has changed lives in Iowa. I know I call him the fake ID of college football, but it's a great program, and he has changed hundreds and thousands of lives at Iowa. He's gotten the Hawkeyes to 17 bowl games, and he's won more than he's lost. 22 years at Iowa. He's not allowed to exist in the SEC because they lack perspective. So part of me today is rooting for Michigan over Georgia, Because I like the way the Big Ten does business.
1: That was Colin Cowherd, obviously, on The Herd earlier today. You know, Jason, you live in SEC country. I'm going to give you the floor. Go ahead, tell me what you think about what Colin had to say. He's not entirely
2: wrong, but I will say that you do have to contextualize this and say, Nick Saban broke this entire conference. You're right. Great call. He broke the SEC because I can't. I can't even number. I'd have to sit here and really think about how many guys have lost their jobs because they could not beat one dude in the conference. And what those schools and where I agree with Coward when he says they lack perspective. The reason why Nick Saban is so special is because he's one of one, because there isn't another one. Because going out and trying to find a coach that can beat Nick Saban, especially on a regular basis inside the conference, is darn near impossible. And so as a result, you can be really good, not beat Alabama, not find your way out of the SEC championship, not get a chance to play for a national title, and then you get impatient because you're like, well, somebody's got to be able to beat Saban. Well, the thing is, maybe that's just not true. Now, when he was listing all those coaches, I do think the quality of coaches in the SEC is strong. I also think that they expect a lot. They usually recruit well the way that those stadiums pack, the culture and everything else, and the fact that the SEC's king. I mean, we can talk about college basketball if we wanted to, but just looking at college football, I just think it changed when Saban came in at Alabama with what he's done because now you look at them and you're like well why can't you compete with them literally no one really has on a consistent basis that's why it matters every time Alabama loses and that's where I agree with Cal Herd, the perspective there Kirk Ferentz wouldn't have survived in the
1: SEC West that's obvious that was what does the fox say ah! what does the- can happen easily. A few drinks become a few too many. It's time to go when you think of calling for a ride home. Nah, what's the worst that can happen? You get pulled over, you lose your license, you total your car, you kill someone. Drive sober or get pulled over, paid for by Nitsa. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin in for Doug here on a busy th- Friday in sports. Alabama up 10-3 to 3 on Cincinnati. Cincinnati forces a punt. We'll be back. Plenty more college football playoff Fox Sports Radio.